Welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast, where we are going to be diving in today to Sunday, April 2nd's message on three steps to failure and one path to success, really going through Peter's story in Matthew chapter 26. I'm Ryan Balby, the interim teaching pastor. And I am Dustin Duvren, the interim senior pastor. You got a catchy title there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I was trying to, to change it up a little bit. Titles are, are my least favorite thing about preparing messages. Yeah. Because but, I feel like uh, you need a good one, but then I never actually talk about them. So I'm like, what's the point? You're going to capture hearts and souls through, uh, hey, this is how we're going to fail. Yeah. I huh. thought, you know, I thought it'd be interesting enough that people would be like, hey, maybe I'll pay attention. <laughs> so where are we at in this uh, series? Yeah. So we have been in a series called The Passion. We're going through the Passion Week or parts of it because there's a lot to cover yeah. in the Passion Week. And so we talked about the triumphal entry. We talked about Jesus getting angry. We talked about Jesus' sorrow in the Garden of Gethsemane. We skipped everything basically from day one to well, day four, I think it is. Um, and, and then we now kind of just panned out and and still focused on this last, um, well, the night Jesus was betrayed, but focusing more on Peter's side of things and how he gets to this point where he's we find him weeping bitterly after he has denied Christ three times. And so what led him to that point? Where's the, the weeping come from? Where's the heartbreak coming from? Um, and so just looking at, at, you know, seeing so often, like we, we need to model our lives after Christ. That should be our goal. And, and we want to know who Christ is. And that's the most important part of scripture. But also we need to realize that there's all these other people that are interacting with Jesus and more times than not, we're the other person. And so we need to look and see, Hey, here's our failures. Here's our mistakes. Here's how we can guard our hearts against their mistakes. Um, and, and what we can learn from that in the process. So I uh, just took a look at Peter's and, and yeah, said, Hey, here's how he failed. So here's how we can fail as well. Yeah. So let's dive into that a little bit. Uh, I know you kind of caught me by surprise, uh, you know, when you started your introduction and you're talking about, hey, today, you know, we, we can go anywhere else. You can jump on YouTube. There's all kinds of books of uh, how to be a successful communicator, a business person, a fill in the blank of how to be successful. And today we're going to teach you how to fail. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the first uh, point you were talking about is, uh, you know, be prideful. Yeah. Uh, so press into that a little more of how you're connecting that with uh, Peter and then applying it to us. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we, especially as pastors, we talk about Peter's mistakes a lot. Yeah. And, and, and it's easy because it's right there. And the reality is, is that he's so involved in, in the ministry that like Christ has brought him into. Like he's so involved in it that, of course, he's going to have mistakes and failures. Because like he, just, he just got done cutting off uh, someone's ear. Yep, yep. Yep. He got caught the ear and she said, Hey, that's not what we're here to do. Like, this is not the point. And he keeps missing the point. Like, um, you know, I think we talked about this before, but, but even the point where he declares Jesus the Messiah, he's the first one to do that. And then immediately after yeah, he's Matthew saying, 16. yeah, he's saying, he's saying, Oh, you're not going to die. And, and she says, get behind me, Satan. And so it's like, you see just these highs and lows with Peter. I mean, he walks on water and then he begins to sink. And, and so, what we see is like when he's focused on Jesus, great things happen, which is true of all of us. Yeah. But so often he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And again, he focuses on what a lot of other people are focused on as well. By the way, the rest of the disciples had a very similar moment to Peter here. We just are, get the emphasized version of Peter's story. Um, but, but when he takes his eyes off of Jesus and focuses on himself and his strength, then we see that he begins to sink. He begins to fall. He begins to come up short. And so we, we do this 
a lot of, oh, I can do this on my strength. And, and what really got me is in Matthew 26, um, in the early part in the Last Supper, Jesus tells the disciples, you're going to fall away from me. And they say, no, we never will. Peter says, I would rather die than fall away from you. And it sounds so noble, but it's a moment of pride. And I, I contrast that with like the Ninevites in the story of Jonah, when they were told, repent, because like the judgment, judgment is coming upon you. They didn't say, no, we're fine. They said, oh, we're sorry. Let's fall on our face and repent. And maybe God will spare us. And this should have been a moment where Peter said, I can't believe I would do that, but I trust you. And I trust your words about me more than I trust my own feelings about myself. And where he should have gone to Christ and said, I need strength to overcome this. But instead he looked inside and said, I have the strength to follow you. And it's a reminder that, that as Christians, none of us can do this on our own. We yeah. cannot do this on our, on our own strength. We cannot follow God on our own strength. We cannot commit to him. We cannot be obedient to him on our own strength. Like we need the work of the spirit working in our hearts, leading and guiding us. And so we have to be completely dependent on Christ. And that takes a lot of humility because all of us are good at some things. Like we all have strengths and, and weaknesses and, and we just need to realize that as strong as we might be, it's not enough and it's yeah. not significant. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think too, you also have to have a little bit of compassion for uh, Peter and uh, just put yourself in the disciples shoes. Like you've just spent a couple years with Jesus seeing these miraculous healings, uh, the untouchables being touched and coming to faith. Those who the Jews would never reach out to and uh, share the good news of the, the Lord. Um, Jesus did that. And so they'd got to witness all that. And then to have their paradigm shift of, you know, man, our Messiah, our teacher, our Lord and Savior is talking about going somewhere where we can't go. And like we get so attached um, to, to people. Uh, I get it. Jesus is, you know, fully God and fully mm -hmm. man. Uh, but we get attached to, to people who lead us to the place that we want to be. Uh, we get attached to people who are willing to love us and hold us accountable. And so that's what the disciples were wrestling through. They didn't have the full to zoom out even further. They didn't have a full understanding of God's mission that he would be laying out, uh, you know, as we read in Matthew 28, uh, you know, Jesus commissioning them to go and make disciples like you, you all are going to be scattered soon. You know, we get the privilege of reading that in the book of Acts of God's people being scattered. And so, um, you know, I just I'm always reminded of that. Of We do like to poke at Peter, uh, but there's also the reality like they they got they got a witness like one day I can't wait to be in the presence of Jesus and hear about those stories, you know, of like being in person with Jesus and his ministry and whatnot. And so uh, a little bit of compassion for them. But your point was be prideful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so, again, it's, it's easy as Christians to do that. It's easy to be prideful. And, and, you know, I looked at my own life and cause really what, what we're talking about is how high is your view of God's word mm -hmm. and how obedient are you to that? Because there are some places in scripture that are going to be easy for us to follow, right? Like, you know, scripture says, do not murder. I don't really struggle with that. Like, that's not, that's not an issue. So it's easy to say like, yep, I'm going to submit myself to that. Uh, it says, love your neighbors yourself. And certainly with a lot of people, that's an easy command for me. Like, Dustin, I can love you very easily, right? Like you are an easy person for me to love. So that's good. Like I can love my wife. I can love my kids. Like there are certain people that are very easy, but then there are moments where, where 
it, it's almost as if we forget that that command is still there, where there's also the love your neighbor, but it's also this idea of love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And then that becomes a lot more challenging. And, and so, you know, I use that as an example of like, hey, I have found myself in positions where I have not said kind things towards people or I've not acted in a loving way towards people. And in my head, they don't deserve love because, you know, whatever, whatever reason I can justify. Um, but I also get like I gave an example that, that really hit me this this week, which was talking about Sabbath, like Sabbath is in the commandments. Like it's, it's one of the 10 commands that we need a Sabbath. And here I was just kind of working through the, the weekend and working through my, my Sabbath day and saying, cause you're justifying it for Jesus, yeah, right? I, I have too, I have too much stuff. It's for Christ. It's for his good. Like, <laughs> like he needs me to do this. He needs me to work through my Sabbath break. And he says, no, I'm sufficient. And this is what's happening with Peter. He's saying, no, you need me to tell you that, that what you're saying is not true. You need me to be something more than what you think I can be. And it's like, no, he needs you to trust in him. And that's, that's what Jesus needs from us. He needs us to trust in him, in his strength, in his laws, in his commands, and humble ourselves before him. Yeah. yeah you drew out kind of a, I think, a good list of examples. You know, you mentioned, you know, political parties, and you just walk down the typical list. And I don't know if you caught it, but I was at, you know, all three services, and it just like, you got some laughter in the beginning. And then as you went down the list, it was, it just became more and more silent yeah. and more and more, you know, twisting and turning in chairs because it's true. I mean, when when Jesus is commanding us to love our enemies and you paint that into the actual realities of that, we don't like that. Like, because I'm going to have to deny myself uh, to go and apologize for something where I had a prideful moment and, uh, you know, uh, offended a brother or sister in Christ or, or whatnot. But that's what you're poking as. You have two options here. You want to fail, just keep being prideful. You want to be like Jesus, humble yourself and listen to him. Yeah, when I when I talked about political parties, I felt like I felt like all the air got sucked out of the room for a minute there because we were wondering, are you a Democrat? Yeah. That's, <laughs> is Ryan a Democrat? That's, that's what everyone was trying to figure out. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Like like no, it's like pray for put people on both sides. But you know, I was challenged by this in a in a in a lecture that I, I'm I'm having for for seminary, and he was talking about like we're called to pray for our enemies, and he pointed back to Saul, um, you know, the Apostle Paul, like was out killing Christians, and he said how many Christians were praying for Saul probably none of them like and and yet that's what we should have been doing that's what we were called by christ to, to do and so often we look at people and we justify it because oh they're not christians and they're actually hurting the christian cause so therefore we don't need to pray for that and it's just it's like no like we really need to humble ourselves and see god's word study god's word memorize it and let it penetrate every part of our heart and it's going to challenge you like christians it is going to challenge you it's <laughs> going to challenge every single one of us like yeah. none of us none of us get away like thinking, oh, this is really easy for me. It, it beats up our fleshly nature and, and challenges that in every single one of us. Well, to zoom back into to Peter and going back to the garden when he cuts the, uh, the soldier's ear off, uh, like these soldiers were coming to arrest this heretic in essence. Like that's what they were on mission to, uh, they thought. And then to this, you know, uh, temple guard to have his ear cut off. And then the guy they were arresting to reach over and to heal him and put his ear back in place. And, you know, Jesus tells Peter to put his sword away, um, you know, and then to just realize like, hey, couple days, few days ago during the triumphal entry, y'all thought this like warrior Messiah was coming into the Temple Mount to just 
destroy Rome and take back order. And the guy, Jesus, comes in on a donkey. You know, it's like, I, it's hard sometimes. Like, how did you guys not see this? But that's that's our benefit today. Yeah. As you know, we get to keep looking back on 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 these stories of of the reality. So, um, so your next step to being moving towards failure is to keep God at a distance. Yeah, and pride is going to lead to distance. Pride is going to lead to separation, and, and we saw that from Peter. And you know, I looked at a couple passages in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter is failing to pray, which Jesus called him to do. And, and this is really, this is one area where I think a lot of Christians, we fail. We treat prayer as something, as a chore, or it's, you know, it's something you have to do before you're allowed to eat. Like, okay, <laughs> we got to get through the prayer so that we can eat. Otherwise, it's not blessed food or whatever. Um, or we treat it maybe as something that you do at night or maybe like once during a quiet time or something like that. But, but prayer is the way that we connect with God. I mean, it's the way that we speak to him. It's the way that we... Um, you know, resource our lives and and find strength to overcome temptation. Like this is what he's telling Peter and the disciples. Hey, if you guys want to follow me, you need to be in prayer. And so when we skip out on prayer, we're distancing ourselves from God, whether that's uh, whatever the reasoning is. Like that's we, what we we're got, doing. We got to figure it out. Yeah, we're good. exactly. We're good. Exactly. And, and, and so we, we just think, hey, I can do things on my own. And, and we are missing out. Like maybe if Peter had spent ta- that time in prayer, Maybe he doesn't deny Christ three times. Maybe he finds the strength to overcome and to stand with Jesus in the midst of his trial in that moment. But then this lack of prayerlessness leads to, you know, well, that's in the garden. And then we see that moment where Peter's cutting off the ear and Jesus is arrested. And then we literally literally see, it says, Peter was walking at a distance from Jesus. As Jesus is going into the court, um, Peter's keeping his distance. And and I just want to say this, like we see from Peter's pride and him pushing God away, whether that's through prayerlessness or just the physical distance because he was afraid of the culture. What we see is that he ends up sitting and watching what's happening and he becomes a spectator in this, this process. And Dustin, we've been around church long enough to know there, there are a lot of people who are great spectators, like they're great fans sitting in the stands and waving their Jesus flag and saying, let's go Jesus. Um, Or, you know, I mean, in this case, obviously Peter is kind of trying to pretend like he's not a Jesus follower, but there are a lot of people who just show up, they hear the message, they listen, and then they leave and never do anything about it. That's not the call of the Christian life. Like the Bible clearly states that we have all been gifted to serve in ministry and to serve the church. And so the church needs each and every follower of Christ to step into participation with Jesus, to step into their giftedness and to serve the, the, the church as a whole, as the body of Christ. And it needs every single member. Like there's so many passages that we could look at that talk about how every member is valuable. Every member is important. And so it doesn't matter what your giftedness is or what your strengths are. Like you have a role to play. Don't keep God at a distance. Don't keep just being a spectator, but be a participant. The church needs you. The world needs you. Like we need a church that is active and participating in the work that God has in store for us. Yeah, no, that's super important. I mean, we and we're, we are without excuse too. I mean, in the gospel of John, I mean, that's Jesus was telling his disciples, I have to depart so the helper will come, the Holy Spirit. 
And I mean, again, going back to the disciples, think about that. Like, no, Jesus, we don't want you. We don't need any helper. We have you, our Lord, our Messiah, our Savior. Um, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew that greater uh, would be done when he, you know, his through his death and resurrection and the uh, Holy Spirit coming to allow God's people to go fulfill his mission of making Jesus known. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I, you know, I, I wrestle with that of like, if we have the spirit in us as believers, even if we are spectators, if we're sitting in the stands as a fan, the Holy spirit is stirring up in each and everyone's heart. Hey, get in the game, mm-hmm. get in the game, get in the game, get in the game, which means you gotta be sitting there going, nah, no, 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 deny, 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 which Peter does in this story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Our next it, step to failure. Yes, and again, th- this is where it all starts because when we act in pride and we think, hey, I can live the Christian life on my own or I don't need to read scripture, right? You know, I don't I, need to go I, to church. I've got to figure it out. I don't need others. Yeah, yep. um, then it leads us to that that point of saying, hey, then I'm going to... I'm." God's at a distance, whether intentionally or unintentionally, right? Intentionally, maybe because of fear, intentionally because I have other things to do or unintentionally just because I've got this on my own. So I don't even think about reading my Bible. I don't think about being in prayer. And then that, that leads to that moment of denial where we are denying like God's work in our lives. We're denying his presence with us. We're denying the work that the spirit is doing where he's encouraging us. And honestly, I mean, I've seen this so many times because I, you know, I had the joy of working in student ministry for about 15 years. And, and it's so evident because you see all these students who get on fire for Christ and, and, and love Jesus and, and their student years. And then they get older and they start to question things. And what happens is oftentimes what happens is as they get older, they start making decisions that say, hey, I've got this on my own and I don't need to go to church today. I don't need to be around my, my Christian friends, my Christian brothers and sisters. I can just be surrounded by other people. I don't need to be in worship. You start distancing yourself. Yep, yep, and that distance comes, and then you get to a point where I really believe that people know Christ, and they know his work, and they feel the spirit moving, but they don't want to deal with that because they don't want to live the life that he's called them to. So instead of just feeling that guilt and that weight, they just say, oh, I don't believe in him. I never knew the man. Like, I'm not associated with him. And so they're pushing him away and trying, I mean, really trying to deny to themselves that, uh, that, that like they're trying to deny the work of Christ in their own life and the spirit's movement in them. And so they're trying to convince themselves that, oh, he's not real. And that way I don't have to respond to him. I don't have to participate in what he's doing. And it's, it just, it breaks my heart to see people in the church who just can show up and just sit there and never do anything about it. And, it. and it is, it's that denial of the work of the spirit because he is calling us to love others. He's calling us to be a light. He's calling us to make disciples. Um, like that's Jesus' last words to his followers is go and make disciples. Like now it's your turn. And so why do we think that that's not for us? Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there is the, there is the reality that we have to look at that they may not even be Christian, you know? Uh, you can be raised in the church, go through all the motions. You can come to church and do all the things you could do and do and what whatnot, but still not actually be a Christian. Um, because I don't think you can live your daily life in Christ and continue to deny the work of the Spirit within you. Uh, because when we sin, the Spirit convicts. Uh, are you going to be repentant? Um, and so, you know, that's that's a hard dynamic as, you know, as 
we you know are called to to shepherd and, and train and to to raise up. Um, but there is reality of like we are still sinful, broken people, uh, and that's the importance of being in community. Uh, because if we're trying to put God at a distance. We should have brothers and sisters in Christ that are pursuing us, you know, in mm-hmm. essence, as, you know, Jesus pursued the one out of the 99. Like, we cannot give up on each other. You know, like what you're saying earlier, we are all a part of the body of Christ. We're all important. Um, but, you know, we, we still need to be living out our, our habits of, of the Christian faith of, you know, being in corporate worship, being in prayer, being in God's word, you know, serving, giving, using our gifts. Um, but you, you can't, you can't be a a fan. You can't sit in the stands forever. Um, you know, so. Yeah. I was just going to add that, you know, you look at where it led Peter and I mean, it just talks about how, when he has that moment of the third denial, the rooster crows, just as Jesus said it would, And it says that he went outside and he wept bitterly. And that's where like when we don't respond to the call of Christ, it's going to lead to sorrow. It's going to lead to pain. It's going to lead to agony. It's going to lead to hurt. It's going to lead to hopelessness. And for Peter, like he heard the call of Christ and chose to accept a different invitation, which is the enemy's invitation towards death and destruction. And so Jesus said, hey, I'm offering you life and life to the full. And Peter said, I'm going to choose my own path. I'm going to choose the path that that sounds good to me, um, the path of pride, the path of distance, the path of denial. And it leads him to this place of just realizing there's nothing here. Like it's it's worthless. It's meaningless. It's hopeless. Like and, and so we see him weeping bitterly because he's taken the wrong invitation. And there's a reminder here that Jesus offers a better invitation. We don't have to follow the path to failure because uh, there is a path to success and it is through Christ. And so we can accept the invitation that Christ has, which is one to life, which is one to trust, which is one to humility, which is one to a purpose and a plan and meaning and and all these amazing things that that only Christ can offer for us. Um, but when, you know, when we deny Christ, he still says, Hey, I'm still coming for you and I can still welcome you in. Um, and, and, you know, it's that reminder that while Peter said he would die for Jesus, Jesus did die for Peter. And, and that's the work that Jesus does that we can't do. And we just get to accept and receive that gift and then trust the spirit to work in our life. Yeah. I appreciated, uh, you know, in your message yesterday, how you you drew out that dynamic of, of this man who said, I'm, I will die for you, Lord. Who, who, who was the person that he denied Jesus to? It was the servant girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of that juxtaposition. Like Jesus, or, uh, Peter didn't throw himself in front of the, the guards that were arresting Jesus. Like, hey, take me, you know. He didn't follow Jesus at a distance into, you know, into the temples to, you know, uh, and run up to the people that they were handing Jesus off to and be like, I'm the guy you should be taking. No, to a servant girl, he denied the Savior three different times. I mean, just think of that. Like, again, we talked earlier about Peter went through like high highs and low lows. Like I'm sure as he's reflecting that on that, like, man, Jesus said I was going to deny him three times. And I denied him to someone who in society, in essence, was worthless, not in the eyes of God, but to society, a servant girl had no value, no standing, no place. Yep. And that's who Peter, I loved how you pulled that out. That's who Peter denied Jesus to. Uh, and then, like you were just saying, Peter reaped the benefits of being restored by Jesus. Yeah, it, I mean, it's crazy. And, and I think that that's in there because it's it's telling us exactly that, that when we deny Christ amongst men, 
all men are powerless in comparison to Christ. And yeah. so it's just that reminder that it's, it's not this, it's not this like, Hey, you should, um, you should proclaim Christ to the, like to the worldly powerless. It's everyone is powerless in comparison to Christ. And so how foolish is it to deny him in front of men? Because we're scared of the culture. We're scared of what other people are going to think, what our family or friends or what, you know, whatever person it is. It's like, we should see them all in the way that Peter looked at this servant girl as someone that just, it, they don't matter in the scheme of eternity. Again, they matter to God, but like in terms of a worldly status. And yeah. so, um, yeah, that's, that's that reminder that, that Christ is, is significantly above everyone else. And, and we need to proclaim him and, and trust in him. So, uh, Easter is coming up. Yes, it is. Uh, how's that going? You, preparing for the can't Easter wait. message. Can't wait. This is something I want to do for a long time. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm thrilled. I, I, I remember even a few years ago when we were in pandemic and, you know, everything was kind of off campus and, um, and I'd want to do it forever. But I was like, man, I would love to preach on Easter Sunday. Like it just, it just hit me that Sunday. Cause we, we didn't gather in a building yeah. together. Yeah. Um, and that one hurt and it was, but it was like, I would love to preach on Easter Sunday because that's like, that's what the Christian faith is all about. It's all about the resurrection. And so, um, I mean, I'm thrilled to preach about it. And even in Peter's story, we see the redemption that comes because Christ has risen and he restores us back into relationship with him. And how amazing is our God, um, how powerful, how wonderful, how loving. And that's that's the Easter message. That's the hope that we have is, is in Jesus because he demonstrated his love and his power in the resurrection. And so... I'm thrilled. It's going to be fun. We're, we're going to have a good time and, and celebrate the resurrection together. And, and I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Let me, the beginning of your message has, he has risen, right? Yes. Okay. So I'll make sure that's at the top. He has risen indeed. So everyone, <laughs> everyone be prepared, yeah, be for, prepared that. for that. We'll start with he has risen. They all got to say he has risen indeed. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, diving into over the past few Sundays into the passion week. Uh, it's, it just, helps us hone in on kind of like what we do for Christmas, preparing for Christmas, talking about baby Jesus coming into the world and uh, fully God, fully man, Emmanuel dwelling with us um, and us doing the same for Easter, preparing our hearts for, um, you know, the realities of the savior of the world, his life, death, and then his resurrection that we'll be celebrating on Easter. So we'll be praying for you, looking forward to it. And uh, give us the resurrected Jesus. Sounds good. Can't wait. Invite a friend. We'd love to see you there. Absolutely. Have a blessed week.